Alison Oldtown and Lenny Kravitz with Believe to start the hour. 14 minutes past eight, the full English breakfast show. Now, Sarah, did you know there are more than 100,000 post boxes across the UK? Yes, I did. Or a few less now. <laughs> yeah, apparently they're in danger, aren't they? Mm. In recent weeks, villagers across East Anglia have reported their post boxes missing. And uh, the police are asking why. Uh, Ricking Hill is a mid-Suffolk village with a proud history. It was the birthplace of a Canadian Prime Minister and the home of Basil Brown, the amateur archaeologist who discovered the Sutton Hoo Anglo-Saxon burial site in 1939. But a part of its more recent history has now gone missing. On the 7th of January, the post box in Hinderclay Road was stolen. It's the first in a series of post box thefts recorded across Suffolk. Uh, boxes have been taken from Wixow, Cowlinge, Hawkenden, Stoke by Clare, Chedber, and Depton Green. Have you visited any of those? No, I haven't. No, neither have I. In fact, I don't think I've. Oh, I've been to Bury St Edmunds. That's in Suffolk. I think that's in Suffolk, isn't it? Now, in Norfolk, post boxes have been stolen in Runcton, Holm, Thornham, and Ashwicken. Haven't been there either. In the Norfolk cases, two of the post boxes bore the Royal Cipher GR, meaning they were put up during the reign of King George VI. Uh, are they thefts uh, for a new form of metal uh, theft, the likes of which have plagued the lead roofs of churches for many years? Possibly, say police, but unlikely because the boxes are made from fairly low-value cast iron. Uh, police believe some more sophisticated uh, theft is going on. The deliberate targeting of older post boxes with a view to selling them on to collectors. Why would you want to have a post box in your house? Oh, it'd be quite nice, though. Well, so you could post yourself a letter yeah. and then say, oh, I wonder if there's any post today. But they haven't got the key, though, because you can steal the, the post box, but you haven't got the key to unlock it. Oh, they must come with a key. What, you think they leave a key hanging inside <laughs> no, the... the... But... <laughs> well, I shouldn't think so. I think the post office have the keys. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh dear. Uh, signs of angle, grinder and chainsaw use are often left behind at the crime of the scene. Uh, Sergeant Brian Calver uh, said some collectors treat lesser boxes like others treat works of art and desire them in their collections. Uh, he is Suffolk Police's heritage crime officer and believes the post box thefts are feeding a hungry market for collectors. Historic post boxes are a favourite target of these thieves at this time, he said. We know the Georgian ones are more valuable because of their age, but also Victoria ones have been stolen. They vary in value, but they can go from a few hundred pounds up to thousands of pounds. There you go, you see, that's why. I have to toyed with the idea of having a sort of telephone box in my house. Yes. Like I think that would be nice. London. You'd have to have a big house, though. Where would you put it? In the hall, maybe? Maybe. Well, they do it in London now, don't they? They've, just, they've, they've turned them into libraries yeah, and yeah. cafes and lots of different things. It's probably easier to steal a, po a post box than it is a telephone box, I would imagine. But they are heavy. I mean, cast iron, so they must weigh a fair bit. The Press Review is brought to you by BMW Cote d'Azur. The Independence says the US government's ordered the families of all American personnel at the US Embassy in Ukraine to leave the country amid heightened fears of a Russian invasion. The State Department's told the dependents of staffers of the US Embassy in Kiev that they must leave the country. It also says the non-essential embassy staff could leave Ukraine at government's expense. US officials stress the Kiev embassy will remain open and the Sunday's announcement does not constitute an evacuation. 
In this morning's Le Monde, the former head of the Italian government, Silvio Berlusconi, has been admitted to hospital on Sunday. The former Prime Minister has been hospitalised several times in recent months. The news comes just a day after he announced on Saturday his withdrawal from the presidential race in Italy. Berlusconi had campaigned vigorously behind the scenes for the Italian presidential election, which begins today, but he finally withdrew. His candidacy, however, reportedly had little chance of succeeding, in particular because of legal proceedings against him for orgies he allegedly organised in a villa with prostitutes. And a bizarre story from the Irish Times. Police believe pensioner Peter Doyle was already dead when he was taken into a post office in Carlo Town by two men to claim his pension. Our sources told the Irish Times the results of the investigation to date show the pensioner didn't die suddenly at Hosey's shop and post office in Staplestown Road at 11am last Friday. The Press Review, brought to you by BMW, Mies Premium Motors, Bayern Avenue Cannes, BMW Store Monaco, and JPV Fréjus. Boost your business with the electrified range by BMW. Find all the BMW business drive offers at your car dealer. Monday morning pop quiz. And it's all about birthdays today. Happy birthday. So if it's your birthday today, then question number one, you share it with this English pianist, band leader, singer, composer, who was the founding member of Squeeze, who had the 1979 UK number two single, Up the Junction. Jules Holland. Correct. Was he the founding member? Yes. Mm. Born on this day in 1955. Uh, You also share your birthday with this American vocalist and record producer who scored his 1984 solo hit single, A Break My Stride. <laughs> Massey Wilder. Correct, he was born on this day in 1953. And finally, born on this day in 1941, a singer-songwriter, he had the 1970 US number one and UK number three single, A Crackling Rose, plus over 30 other US and top 10 UK 40 singles. Neil Diamond. Correct. Crackling Rosie. Rosie, or you could have um, Sweet Caroline. Do you want Sweet Caroline? Yeah, go on. I think we should you can do sing that. along to that one. Seems well, you can sing along to Crackling Rosie. No, but this one, and it always tune. gets everybody going. Weddings, funerals, <laughs> Riviera Radio, business. Good morning. Good morning. Did you have a nice weekend? It was nice actually. Went swimming with the children a little bit. Went for some nice walks. Had a Nice curry on Saturday evening with some friends. A couple of lychee martinis, which went down very well. I'm doing this dry-ish January and February, <laughs> which is drinking one day a week. So I, I managed to enjoy that. So it's, it was all good, actually. Good. Do you think Boris Johnson had a good weekend? Uh, I think he was probably busy on the phones, one would suspect. Probably not enjoying lychee martinis and uh, uh, and wishing that uh, people were, were drinking less around Downing Street in general. So uh, <laughs> probably me. not. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, do you, is this the week the balloon will go up, do you think? <laughs> well, it will, uh, I think, come to a head perhaps one way or another. We wait for the reports, of course, to come out in terms of the parties that were held or not held during the course of uh, the lockdown, and we wait to see uh, who that report blames or whether it indeed comes to a conclusion, but one would suspect. Um, that pressure will reach the maximum levels during the course of this week as that as that report emerges. No signs of uh, Rishi Sunak measuring up for the curtains at number ten yet, then. <laughs> not that I'm aware of. Okay, markets. Uh, oof, not very good, really, is it? So geopolitical tensions, inflationing, inflation tightening, monetary policy, and it looks like the Nasdaq could take a battering over the next couple of weeks as well. 
Well, it has taken a battering. Risk aversion certainly increased during the course of the last week as the unsettled start to the year continued, with uh, investors becoming increasingly say, concerned about faster policy normalisation, rising geopolitical tensions and higher costs infringing upon corporate profitability guidance. Markets last week worried that rising energy prices could further stoke inflation, thereby forcing central bankers to raise rates earlier and perhaps more aggressively. The resulting increase in yields has been putting pressure on equity markets. Remember, high yields creates greater competition for equities and increases the discount applied to future cash flows. In terms of bond yields, if you look at midweek, the two-year US government bond yield rose above 1% for the first time since 2020. 10-year Treasury yield was around 1.8%. And even in Germany, 10-year yields turned positive for the first time since May 2019, although demand for safe haven assets on Friday saw global bonds rally. In terms of equity performance, global stocks registering their worst week since October 2020. Nasdaq was down 6.8% last week, slipping into correction territory, having fallen more than 10% from that November high. S&P 500 was down 5.6% over the course of the week. It's now off 7.7% year to date. The lower levels of growth and tech stocks in Europe have been helping it to limit some of the losses. Stock 600 in Europe was down, it's only down 1.4% over the week and only off 2.7% during the course of January. But certainly markets are incredibly nervous and we'll see that at the open this morning. Nine minutes away from the open, currently calling the FTSE down 22 points. Stacks over in Frankfurt down 61 points. Catcorn in Paris off 30 points. And we've got uh, Microsoft, Tesla and Apple all reporting this week. And if uh, the forward guidance and uh, earnings aren't uh, as good as expected, uh, there could be blood on the floor. Yeah, listen, I think markets are watching those fourth quarter numbers very carefully indeed. The numbers have actually been okay in terms of themselves, the backward looking numbers. What is harder to gauge uh, is what impacts we're going to see in terms of the management statements around the outlook, given the elevated levels of inflation, issues around a hiking of interest rates, supply chain disruption continue to be in place. You can imagine management teams are rather cautious about if issuing strong guidance. And that, of course, is part of the reason we've seen equity markets underperform. Well, uh, Elon Musk uh, had a bit of a battering uh, with the old cryptocurrencies. And if uh, Tesla is weak, then he might have to settle uh, for going to Skegness instead of Mars. <laughs> yeah, the uh, notion that cryptocurrencies are portfolio div uh, diversifiers has come under further pressure over the course of the past few weeks. As stocks have come under pressure, so have cryptocurrencies. In fact, Bitcoin lost 12% uh, on Friday, dropping below $36,000 to its lowest level since July. It's now lost 45% of its value since the peak in November. More than a trillion dollars of market value has disappeared from cryptocurrencies. Other digital currencies have suffered similar losses alongside Bitcoin, if not more, showing um, in a risk-off environment, uh, cryptocurrencies perhaps fall more than other assets. Um, so I think you've got to be a little bit careful about using it in terms of its uh, diversification properties. The, um, the fall comes ahead of a release from the Biden administration. They're going to set out the government-wide strategy for digital assets over the course of the next month. The report is expected to show both risks and opportunities, but uh, may create a tougher environment for uh, for those uh, asset classes to, to continue to operate in. And uh, the German recovery. Uh, Germany has been struggling a little bit of late, but you know what happens in the end, they always win on penalties. 
<laughs> the German recovery rate certainly failed to match that of other major European economies over the course of the past year. Supply bottlenecks have been restraining the manufacturers and the highest inflation in three years and restrictions impacted domestic consumption. GDP advanced 2.7% in 2021, well short of the 4.5% expected for the likes of France and Italy and Spain. In terms of the outlook for 2022, you can certainly argue it's brighter relaxation of restrictions Restrictions should boost activity in the service sector. Improving supply chains should allow industrial production levels to bounce back. The flood of infections that we saw, we think, will impact the first quarter, but the recovery should gather momentum in the spring. If you look at the Bundesbank, they're predicting growth of somewhere around about 4.2% for 2022. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you about something that cropped up last week, which I forgot. Um, The Japanese central bank uh, saying that uh, inflation is still below its 2% target, estimating inflation might peak at 1.1 or 1.2%. But uh, why is Japanese inflation so much lower than everyone else's? Well, there's a range of structural issues, of course, in Japan that holds back demand and holds back inflation compared to you see elsewhere, particularly on the domestic demand side of things. So for Japan, as perhaps you could argue was the case in Europe to a lesser extent, has been uh, struggling to maintain um, a positive inflation level. So inflation has been picking up in Japan, but from very, very low levels and still unlikely to encourage the Bank of Japan to uh, aggressively change its course when it comes to monetary policy. Foreign exchanges, please. 35 this morning, euro dollar coming at 113. You're going to get one euro, 19 and a half cents for your British pound this morning. Anything else to add? I think we've uh, covered the markets nicely. It's going to be a big week this week. Federal (laughs) Reserve, of course, will be the big one on Wednesday. Markets will be waiting to, I think, see a number of things. They'll be looking for, I guess, clues on the timing and the size of the rate hikes, the pace of the winding down the asset purchase programme and the timetable for balance sheet runoff. So I think uh, markets perhaps are going to be a little bit downbeat until we hear from the Federal Reserve and then we'll uh, take it from there. Yeah, well, um, when you said it's going to be a big week, I thought you were alluding to Ukraine because that'll be explosive, not just a big week, but it's getting extremely worrying. Uh, it's becoming uh, concerning. More well, than we know, 100,000 uh, Russian troops uh, assembled on the border in Ukraine. The good news is diplomacy is playing out to a certain extent. The West and Russia have been talking. Let's hope they can come to a peaceful conclusion. Well, get over there and sort it out then. That's my advice, you know. Pots to the rescue. But, uh, quite nice in Geneva this time of year, no problem. <laughs> Talk to you tomorrow, thanks. Uh, Hank Botson Barkley. This is Riviera Radio with the latest local news for the south of France. Sarah Lysa has the top stories across the Riviera. From today, the vaccine pass replaces the health pass in France and will apply to people aged 16 and over. The vaccination pass will be requested to access certain places open to the public, such as bars and restaurants, and for certain activities as well as transport. The vaccination pass shows a completed vaccination schedule and can be subject to controls. Exceptions are made in the case of an emergency, as well as access to health services. On the vaccination front in France, figures show that 79.8% of the population have received at least one injection and 77.8% have a completed vaccination schedule. 
The latest figures published on Sunday from Public Health France have shown that the number of patients hospitalised due to COVID have stabilised but remain high. 3,760 patients are currently in intensive care and there were 143 new admissions in the last 24 hours. 301,614 people are tested positive and 115 people have died in the last 24 hours. Uh, since the beginning of the epidemic, 128,629 people have died in France from COVID. In Monaco, 132 new cases of COVID were identified on Sunday, bringing the total number of residents affected to 7,583. Uh, 59 people are currently in hospital and 399 are being followed by the Home Monitoring Centre. And a new game is becoming increasingly popular in French schools, catching COVID. It sees students knowingly ignoring barrier gestures in order to be contaminated with COVID and get time off school. Uh, teachers and parents have raised the alarm, with some schools formally warning parents. In other news this morning, a couple and their two children have been seriously injured after jumping from the window of a second-floor apartment to escape a fire. The incident occurred in the early hours of Sunday morning in La Ciotat in the Bouche de Rhône. Uh, the young parents of two children aged 16 months and six years old were taken to hospital in a critical condition. Uh, six other people were evacuated unharmed from the building. Police be believe the fire was started uh, due to an electrical problem. Two people have been seriously injured in a road accident on the A8 motorway. The accident occurred on Sunday evening westbound involving three vehicles. Uh, police have opened an investigation into the cause of the collision. Uh, meanwhile, traffic was disrupted in Canyon Samer on Sunday afternoon after a car caught fire on the Boulevard Kennedy. Nobody was injured in the incident and the blaze was soon brought under control by firefighters. In national news this morning, Republican presidential candidate Valérie Pécresse has proposed to remove inheritance tax in France of up to €200,000 per child if she is elected. And the measure would mean that each parent could give €100,000 every six years and no longer every 15 years. And the candidate also proposes, in order to facilitate access to property, uh, to generalise the zero-rate loan for first-time buyers throughout France and not only in certain areas. Uh, finally, 75-year-old French adventurer Jean-Jacques Savin has been found dead at sea. Uh, Savin was trying to row across the Atlantic Ocean. He had previously made the crossing in a large barrel back in 2019. The exact circumstances of his death have not yet been determined. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. No, 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 we don't want... No, 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 stop. We don't want that straight away. We want this. Riviera Radio, Sports News. I was getting distracted by an email from Stewart's. Not only are Rob and Sarah happy with the weekend results, Stewart's is over the moon with Burnley's away point to the Gunners. On the downside, four of my grandchildren have tested positive for COVID, uh, proving that we still have got to take precautions. Yes, we certainly do. Uh, can we have a request for Issa, Kellis, Noam and Elia? Yes, you certainly can after we finish this. So tennis, Elise uh, Cordonnier of France is into the last states of the Australian Open. She's beaten Simona Halep, 6-4, uh, 3-6, Can she go all the way? It'd be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, Daniel Collins of the United States is through to the last states as well. Collins beats Elise Mersens of Belgium in three sets. World number one Ash Barcy also through to the quarterfinals. 
Welsh who played Jessica Pagula in the men's events. Rafael Nadal is into the last states. Well, he faced Denis Shapovalov, and Nadal is seeking a record-breaking 21st major title. Yes, there were four games in the English Premier League on Sunday. So, go on, you can go now. Here are the details from BBC Sports. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. Hello, I'm Paul Serres at the BBC Sports Centre. Liverpool closed the gap on leaders Manchester City to nine points after a 3-1 win at Crystal Palace. First half goals from Virgil van Dijk and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain gave the visitors the advantage. Odson Edouard reduced the deficit before Liverpool sealed the win with a late Fabinho penalty. Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp was asked if he felt the win was a turning point in the title race. No, but I was not good enough for that. We came through on one, on three wheels, if you want. So um, it's all fine. We are, we are, the distance is too far, too, too, too big to, to talk about it. But we don't have to. We just have to win football games. All the rest is on our hands. Two second-half goals, including a brilliant strike from Hakim Ziyech, helped Chelsea beat Tottenham for the third time in three weeks. Chelsea manager Thomas Tuchel was happy to come out on top against their London rivals. When we arrived this morning, I could feel that everybody is excited to play it. It's one thing to be excited and, and full of expectations to play it and then to play it because it was tough and uh, was physically tough, so, so full credit. I think we deserved it and the effort was excellent. Arsenal missed out on a chance to return to the top four after they were held to a goalless draw at the Emirates Stadium by bottom side Burnley. The draw ended a run of three straight defeats for the Clarets and leaves them now four points off safety, but having played four games fewer than 17th place Norwich City. And it finished 1-1 between Leicester City and Brighton. Substitute Danny Welbeck scored a late equaliser to earn Brighton a battling point after Pat Zendaka had earlier scored an opener for Leicester. And for more football news from the BBC, go to bbc.com forward slash football. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. So is it all over, sir? Is it all over? Yeah. No. Klopp doesn't seem to think they've no. got a chance. Well, no, Ten points behind. I know, but, well, no, come on. Positive thinking here. Well, City, uh, yes. Well, I know. City slipped up. They could have lost, actually, against Southampton. Yeah. Southampton played very well. So, well, you know, it's not over till the fat lady sings, as they say. Uh, Cricket, England have beaten West Indies by one run in the second T20 in Barbados. England made 171 for eight from their 20 overs. And West Indies needed a seemingly impossible 30 from the final over before Akil Hossein smashed three sixes off the last three balls to leave his side just one run short on 170 for eight. The five-man series is level at one all with three to play. Rugby Union, there were four games in the European Champions Cup on Sunday. Sale beat Ospreys 49-10 and Montpellier beat X to 37-26 in Pool A, while in Pool B, Stade Francais beat Connex 37-31 and Munster beat Wasps 45-7. And in motorsport, the veteran Sebastian Loeb has become the oldest driver ever to win a Monte, uh, World Rally stage with victory in the Monte Carlo Rally. 47-year-old Loeb driving the M Sport Ford Puma took advantage of Sebastian Ogier in the Toyota Yaris, suffered a puncture on the penultimate stage, which cost him more than 30 seconds. Loeb came home 10.5 seconds ahead of Ogier, with Craig Breen of Ireland finishing in thirds. 
Here's the marine weather forecast. The coastal area is up to 20 miles offshore the Almaritim in the VAR. The general situation, high pressure, 1,030 millibars over the region. Winds are variable, force 1 to 3. The sea is calm. Visibility is good. Barometric pressure at Saint-Jean-Cap-Ferrat, 1,029 millibars. And the outlook for Tuesday, clear skies, force 2 to 3 variable winds, calm seas and good visibility. For North Corsica, winds are westerly, force 1 to 3, the sea is calm, visibility is good, barometric pressure at Cap Corse, 1,030 millibars, and the outlook for Tuesday, clear skies, force 2 to 4, variable winds, slight seas and good visibility. Riviera Radio, weather. No change in the weather, clear skies, light variable winds, temperatures 12 to 14 degrees, overnight lows 5 to 7 degrees on the coast, minus 1 degree inland with partially cloudy skies, Tuesday and Wednesday clear skies, highs of 12 to 14 degrees. Nice weather for Wally then. Very nice, yes, very pleasant. I think they're off to the antique market this morning. Oh, uh, what, in Nice? Yes. Le Marché des Pistes? On the Corsolaire. Ah, very nice, okay. Finally. A new study has shown that men and women's brains really do work differently. You can say that again. Research has found that there are a thousand genes that are much more active in one gender than the other. And the study looked into how male and female mouse brains differ by investigating areas that are known to program rating, dating, mating and hating behaviours. Rating, dating, mating and hating? Behaviours, yes. Ooh. The behaviours showed that male mice, for example, were quick to distinguish the sex of strangers infringing on what they've deemed their turf. If the intruder is another male, they immediately attack it. If it's a female, then they initiate a whirlwind courtship. While female mice exhibit maternal rather than territorial aggression, attacking anything that threatens their young, they're vastly more inclined than males to guard their youngsters and retrieve any that stray. Uh, their willingness to mate varies, of course, depending on the stage of their cycle. Mm. Or if they have a headache. Does my <laughs> bum look big in this? Um, did you see that story about the, uh, the robovac that escaped from a hotel? No. Yeah, it was, it was last, I tried to find it this morning, but I couldn't find it. I think it was somewhere in England in, in a hotel, and they left the door open, and the robovac made a bid for freedom and trundled <laughs> off down the street, and they couldn't find it. <laughs> and they found it two days later under a hedge. You've got one of those, haven't <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. You want to watch it? No looking back. Yeah, better be nice to it. Well, the problem is if we left our door open, it would fall down the stairs and break <laughs> its neck or whatever it's got.